Welcome to First and Oz Financial Health. This is where we want to share our passion and our knowledge with you to enhance your financial health. Please enjoy this previously recorded material from our YouTube channel. All right, hey, uh, welcome to First and Oz Financial. Uh, I'm Ryan First and Oz, uh, and have a special guest with us today, Marty Klein. Good uh, morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Marty is uh, with Klein Law here in town. Uh, formerly, he was here not too long ago on a little video, and it was it was Klein Door. Uh, and since then, his partner has retired. So it's it's just Marty Klein now, right? <laughs> just me at this point in time. Yeah, so. how are things going? Good, good. There was a lot of uh, issues with the name change and everything else, but I think we have everything squared away now. Nice. It took a lot of time, but Very I would good. not recommend anybody try and go out and do that. And do that. Nice. <laughs> Well, we want to have Marty back. Um, uh, now, you know, it's after the first of the year. There are a few uh, maybe estate updates as far as some changes that he wanted to share. Uh, and then really we wanted to talk about trust today. And I know we briefly touched on it last time. And uh, trusts are, can be confusing um, if you're not used to working with them. And so we wanted to just maybe jump into those with a little more detail. But okay. you had some things you want to talk about with the estate I did planning first. changes. What, what's so going on? Nebraska is one of five or six states right now that have an estate tax. No other states do. And that estate tax goes on the local level. It goes to the county. So for example, if you live in Neely and you have property in Holt County, some real estate, any of your assets that you hold in bank accounts, retirement accounts, things like that get taxed in Antelope County. And then your real estate, those taxes go to Holt County directly. Now, one of the things that they have done um, for spouses and charities, there was no tax ever due on the estate tax level for the state of Nebraska. But there was some changes made. The, the next class of beneficiaries are the children, parents, grandchildren, siblings. Um, the tax is 1%, just like it was previously, but your exemption has gone from $40,000 up to $100,000. So, for example, if you have a half million dollars worth of assets and you have five children, um, each of those children has $100,000 of exemption on the $100,000 that they would receive from you, so they would pay no tax. Uh, then the next class of beneficiaries is the remote relatives, so that gets into like aunts, uncles, nephews, things like that. The tax used to be taxed at 13%, that's gone down to 11% now, and their exemptions have gone from $15,000 up to $40,000. And then the last class of beneficiaries are those that are unrelated. For example, you and I are unrelated. Right. So if I give something to you through my will, it used to be taxed at an 18% rate. That's now taxed at a 15% rate. And your exemption goes from $10,000 up to $25,000 now. Yeah, so, how, uh, so there's six states, is that what you said? That I have believe that? there's five or six that still have That still have this. And you call mm -hmm. it an estate tax, an inheritance tax. Is that what yes. it also is called? Yes. So that inheritance tax, uh, part of the reason they've changed is because I think every state around us, none of the states around Nebraska have this tax at, at death. So they're trying to equalize things a little bit, yeah. but they're still not there. I mean, uh, now we can't get out of that tax, can we? We can't. And even living out of state, you can't get out of it. In the past year, I've done quite a few ancillary estates. And so what that involves is if you live in California and you own a quarter of land in Nebraska, you're taxed on that quarter of land in Nebraska, so you have to open an estate here. It's not a formal, full-blown estate as you would open in your own home state. 
but you still have to open an estate here so that the inheritance tax can be paid in Nebraska. Okay. Otherwise, I mean, I, the only way to get out of inheritance tax is to give it all away now, right? Correct. So you die with nothing. Yes. But yes. you might need to live that, use that to live on, so you probably can't give it away. So. <laughs> Correct. Um, okay. So good. Yeah. So that's good. So the exemptions are up. And some of the tax rates are a little lower on that now in general. That is correct. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, what, any, anything else going on? Uh, those are the major changes that have happened specifically in Nebraska this year. Federally, no changes have been made. Uh, the federal exemption has gone up a little bit as it does every year, and then that soon is going to go away. So that's going to have to be, Congress will have to do something about that because right now our federal exemption is $12.04 I believe. That'll go back to a million dollars in twenty. Well, it's twelve point twelve point nine million now, right? It was twelve. Uh, yeah. Twelve point nine yeah, now is the is the biggest is the biggest increase now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what in twenty five or is it the end of twenty five that law expires that grants Correct. that and it reverts back to some old rules, mm -hmm. which is five million, right? Yeah. Okay. So challenges there, nothing to to jump on and worry about, but no. be knowledgeable. There are some changes that could come if Congress doesn't. I mean, it, it's going to change no matter what. Either they're going to pass something new that looks different, or it's going to revert back to some old Correct. old ex, old exemptions. Yeah. Okay. One cool. of those two things will happen. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so you know, the other thing I want to talk about was trusts, and so uh, you know, as we think about um, estate planning, uh, trusts come into play, and there's there are, there are quite a few different kinds oh, of trusts, right? probably thousands of different kinds of trusts at the end of the day, yeah. Okay. But there's kind of a few that you would use around estate planning, right? Yes. So the first one you kind of wanted to talk about is what's called a testamentary trust. Yeah. And so maybe to remind us, um, back up and tell us what a will is and does. Okay. Because the testamentary trust kind of functions inside of that, right? Inside that of that will. Correct. Okay. So for a will, in the most basic form, it just it's a way for you to write down on paper how your assets are transferred at the time of death. Okay. That's the simple explanation. So as part of that, you can have a testamentary trust within a will. That is used mainly for people that are younger, like you and I, who still have young kids at home. And so what that does is within our will, we have a separate provision called this testamentary trust, and that determines who would have our children if anything happened to us and our spouses, who's going to take, take in, care for our kids, who's gonna handle all the finances that we have, and then it dictates at what age the children would receive all the funds. In most of the testamentary trusts that are set up, it dictates basically that whoever is the guardian and conservator for the children they have the right to pay for any of the expenses of the children that they deem appropriate. So if it's educational expenses, if they need to pay for a car, for their cell phone, anything like that. But the kids don't have full access to their money generally until the age of 25. So at the age of 25, if there's, for example, $100,000 left over that's earmarked for that particular child, all $100,000 goes to them at that point in time. But up until that time, the guardian and conservator, trustee, however you want to refer to them, they have complete control over the finances and what is allowed to be spent for the care of the children. Because those kids are minors and they can't make those decisions. Correct. It's kind of the big thing. So, so if you have a will and you have this testamentary trust and I have assets and I die and, it's, and I say it, it all goes to the kids in this trust, this mm -hmm. trust actually owns those assets for yes. the benefit of the kids Mm -hmm. until the trust 
documents say, well, then now they're old enough and it can be paid out and those kids can manage it themselves. That's Correct. basically what it is, right? Yeah, that's all it is. So you have to have a person in charge of that that you name and you use the, the term trustee, right? So the trustee is mm -hmm. the person that follows the rules of whatever you've said in your document for that trust. Yes. Is that that's accurate? Yeah. Okay. And that so does it but that trustee could be it could be anybody, right? It could be anybody on earth. Generally people use siblings, but some people just use friends. Um, you know, if you have the next door neighbor that your kids are always playing together and they'd be willing to take your kids on if anything happened to you. Yeah. That's a situation that will happen as well. So what about so you can also have a corporate trustee? One of the reasons that I understand, you know, stand to use a corporate trustee would be maybe to avoid um, stress on somebody that's not used to handling finances, Correct. right? You know, let's say yep. you've named your your sister as the 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 trustee, and yeah, she's good with you know taking care of the kids, but she doesn't know anything about managing investments or saving. You know, maybe she's not, that's not her expertise. Mm -hmm. A corporate trustee, they do it all the time. Yeah. Right. And, and they're, they're, corporate trustees, you deal more with if you have, for example, a disabled child okay. who you know that they're never going to be able to take care of their finances. You don't want to burden some of, you know, your brothers or sisters with that for the rest of their lives. So you name a corporate trustee in that situation. That's generally where it comes. So, so there's some flexibility on who the trustee can be, and you can work mm -hmm. with your attorney to to find out what would be best for your situation. Correct. Okay. So, so that's one kind of a trust that's created after you pass away, okay? Mm -hmm. And it lasts for a while until, you know, maybe generally it's typically when the kids get old enough and then that trust dissolves and the kids yeah, are... there's an age out provision. An age out, and okay. So the other type of trust that's done with a will that you don't, it's not part of the will, it's a, it's a separate trust, but if you have any disabled children, it's called a special needs trust. So. You don't need to have a trust originally. You can have a will, but for one of your children, you set up a special needs trust so that they still have access to whatever finances you leave for them. But at the same time, if they're on government assistance, the government isn't able to take that money. And then when the disabled child passes away, that asset, whatever is left in that special needs trust, then passes to your other children or whoever you want it to go to. So, so, if, so if you have a kid that has special needs, and you don't have anything like that set up, mm -hmm. that should probably be a priority then, yes. right? Yes, that would be very important. So if you have a child that's already on government assistance, and let's say you have, again, with the example of a half million dollars and you have five different children, one of them is disabled, and the one disabled child gets $100,000. Well, if they've already received state benefits in excess of that amount, the state would step in and take all of those funds without a special needs trust being in place. Okay, so that's something to, to, to really consider. Okay, mm -hmm. interesting. So um, so that's kind of after you die, but before you die, I mean, there can be other trusts, Oh yes. right? Yeah. So one of the main ones people use is, is a revocable living trust, right? T tell me about that. What, how is that different? How does it work together with the estate planning? What, what's the difference there? Well, when it comes to trust, you basically have two different types. You have a revocable, uh, which means that you can change it at any point in time, and then you have an irrevocable, which means that you cannot change the terms of the trust. Okay, so back up on the on the testamentary trust, it would be considered revocable or irrevocable. Uh, the testamentary trust would be considered 
it's revocable up until the time that you die. Okay. As soon as you die, it then becomes irrevocable. Okay, so you've written this into your will. You can change it while you're alive, obviously. At any point in time. Okay, yes. so it isn't like you've done this and you've that's it and you've yeah. made a mistake, you're stuck with it. You can make adjustments to it. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And you need to have that flexibility. I mean, obviously, sometimes siblings or whoever you have named, if they get older and they decide that they don't want to take care of your children or they move away, you can go with someone else at that point in time. Okay, okay. So then back on the just general revocable versus irrevocable, tell us more about both of those. Well, the revocable trust, basically, it is, I guess in law school, it was described to me as a way to rule from the grave. Okay. Uh, so you can take an asset with a will when you pass your assets immediately get dispersed out to someone else if you if you have a will yeah it, and that's with a will there's no way around that unless you have for example an llc or something set up with that but with a trust it's a way that you can say i want my son and my daughter over here to have the assets but i don't want them to have them for another 10 or 15 years and a trust would be a way to do that. Or a trust can dictate how the assets flow out to other people in future generations down the line. Okay, so a will is generally just a, 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 generally is a quick pass-through vehicle when somebody passes away. Yes. Unless you have that testamentary trust inside of there, mm -hmm. which could, ex it doesn't extend the will, but the trust extends beyond whatever time frame you want to. Yes. But you could also have a revocable trust that you create not in the will ahead of time. So why would I why would I do that, or how is that different than that testamentary one? Well, a lot of times you'll have a situation where let's say that you're on a second spouse and you want to take care of that spouse, but you want all of your assets to pass to your children as opposed to that spouse. So what you do is you set up a revocable trust, and you say during my during my spouse's lifetime he or she can have access to all of the funds that I have in that trust. Okay. But when he or she passes, I want all of the assets to go to my children at that point in time. So it's a way to delay. I mean, at the end of the day, your children will be receiving all of your assets, but it's going to be delayed a little bit, and you can't cause that delay through a will. It has to be done through a trust. Through a trust, okay. Mm -hmm. So in that, in that scenario, so you have to be putting assets into the trust while you're alive. Correct. Right? That's the most important thing. Uh, when a trust is set up, you have to make sure that it's funded. So for example, if you own a home or real estate, deeds actually have to be prepared and drawn, transferring them from you individually into you as trustee of your trust. Okay. Okay. And the same thing, you come up to Ryan's office and you say that I've created a trust, Ryan has to change the beneficiary documents and the ownership documents to show that this is now in a trust, it's not owned by the client individually. Okay, so there's work to do now. And if the asset's in a trust, I mean, it can still function the same way as if I owned it, right? Correct. Right, so if I still own the, own the, the bank account, instead of it being Ryan's bank account, now it's Ryan's trust bank account, mm -hmm. but I can still, put money in, take money out. It doesn't change yeah, any of that. There's absolutely no change whatsoever Okay. Uh, when it comes to that. So the same thing, a lot of people, you know, your vehicles will be retitled and it won't be in your name individually. It'll be in, in the name of the trust. Okay. So tell me about, uh, so, so people talk about using a trust to avoid the probate process. Correct. Can you tell me all about that? Okay. So 
Earlier in the conversation, we went through some of the changes to the Nebraska inheritance tax. Okay. You're not going to ever avoid the Nebraska inheritance tax, no matter what you do. So the trust isn't going to help me do that? No. Okay. But what a trust does, when you pass, you have to open an estate, as long as you're worth more than $100,000. If you're worth less, you can just do a small estate affidavit. Okay. But if you're worth more than $100,000, an estate would have to be open. And this is $100,000 of estate property, probate property, not non-probate. So, for example, a, if I had a million dollars, all right, and $900,000 of that was invested with you, and I had a list as beneficiary my spouse, okay. that's not counted as a probate property. Because the beneficiary is defined on that account. Correct. It doesn't go through that process because the beneficiaries, the probate is, is, the probate is basically what? making sure it gets to the right spot. Correct. Is that right? And yeah. if there's already a beneficiary named pre-death, that document takes care of it. And by law, there's a legal fiction created that says, technically, a second before I died, that property was passed out already, so it's no longer part of my estate. Okay. Okay. Is how that works. So, on the... Although you still have to pay the inheritance tax and everything else if you have a trust. With the will, you have to go through the probate process. You have to formally appoint someone in court to be named as your personal representative. You have to account to the court and to the other beneficiaries what's going on. If you have a trust and all of your assets are in that trust, all you do is you open up a proceeding for the inheritance tax and you just pay the inheritance tax and that's all. There's no other court proceedings. So you don't have to do you any have of the other court through. stuff. You still have to let them know what the total's worth so they can figure yeah. the inheritance tax. But you don't mm -hmm. have to do anything else. You just function with that trust outside of the courts and all of that process. The, and one of the things with a will, um, there is a notice to creditors that goes out. Okay. So if you owe anybody any money they can. They have to make that claim within a certain time period, okay. and if they don't, they're forever barred. The one minor disadvantage with the trust is that doesn't exist. So the normal statute of limitations of four to five years to collect on a claim still applies. So if you have a trust and a probate is never opened, well, somebody creditors can still come can back. Still come could, back. Could come back on that. So it'd be a unique situation there. Mm -hmm. Okay. It doesn't happen very often, but. There's trade-offs to each a will and a trust, Okay, and that's one of them. So you might have a trust that um, would be for an individual, but right. you also might have a, a trust for a couple as well, right? Yes. It yes. isn't just like a one-person thing. Yeah, you can do trust either way. You can have it either individually. Myself and my spouse could each have individual trusts, or we could do a joint trust together. And there might be different advantages depending on your situation to do both of those things. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the irrevocable trust. What? Why would I want? So why would I want something <laughs> I can't change? What? What is an okay. advantage of that? What is, um, the biggest estate planning tool that that's used for today is that there's a five-year look-back period. You can gift away assets. So for example, you and your spouse could gift your home to your children today. And for the next five years, after that five-year period ends, the nursing home can't come in and take the value of that home anymore. Okay. Okay. So the same thing happens with an irrevocable trust. You're 75 years old. You're concerned that at some point in time, you may go to the nursing home soon. You don't have any nursing home insurance. What you do is you take all of your assets and you put them into an irrevocable trust. 
And after five years, the nursing home can't come in and invade any of the principal of that trust asset. Okay. They can still get the income from it. Okay. So if it's all tied in CDs and you're getting 5% rate of return on your CDs, the nursing home can come in and take that 5% they're getting for a yield on those CDs. Okay, but they can't, but they get, can't, your, touch the can't get your CD. So um, it's a way to do some additional protections that you can't be with something that's revocable. Correct. And we, and we probably need to be careful with irrevocable trust, right? Because you yes. can't undo it. Yes. It's, once it's there, it's done. Okay. There is no changing it. No changing it. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, what, else, what else should we know? I, you know, that's kind of a, I mean, it's still a pretty high, I mean, we got into some <laughs> details, but I think it's still probably a pretty high level on, on trust. Uh, it is. Uh, trusts are not utilized quite as much today as they were a few years ago before the tax cuts that uh, Trump proposed in 2017 when those passed. Uh, because the marital exemptions that you have now are so high. You know, you're dealing with $12.9 million per person. Not a lot of people are worth that much. Okay. Um, when that exemption goes back down, trusts will be a lot more popular again just as a way to avoid the federal estate tax, which is about 45%. So it's a pretty good chunk of change. So that's the, so, so the, the exemption deal, if, if they are above the limits or if the limits go down and they're above those limits, um, using some trust planning can help mm -hmm. mitigate some of that federal estate risk. Is that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. And we still do have portability, which means let's say that you're worth $15 million individually and your spouse is only worth a million. Well, if you die first with a trust, what we can do with credit shelter trusts is first we can protect those assets, transfer them to your spouse, and also give her your exemption if you don't use any of it. Right, because I get and an exemption and, and she gets an exemption, yeah. right? So our, if it's 12.9, we both, we get it. There's like a $26 million family exemption. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. And so some, does that portability law expire too? In, uh, it will, but I think that'll be brought back. That'll that has be been an there easier for one. so long okay. that I think it's going to be difficult. Um, yeah, what you have to do, so if you have a spouse that doesn't use all of their $12.9 million exemption, what you do is file what's called a 706 tax return. And that way, let's say you're worth $10 million, well, you can transfer another $2.9 million to your spouse by filing a 706 So then return. if they pass away the next day, they have that extra that you didn't yep. use, use yeah. up. They okay. have the 12.9 million plus the 2.9 million that, that you, you didn't, didn't use, use. up. Okay. And it's really important today, even if let's say that you're worth $10 million, okay? Both spouses are worth 5 million. You would still want to do a 706 return because if that federal exemption ever went down on the spouse to save a million dollars. Yeah. You are you grandfathered in on that? Yeah. That, that you already As of claimed? Right now, you okay. Would you would get to keep that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. Uh, anything else we should know? No. <laughs> There's always a, a lot of things. Anything else that's not going to really confuse people right now, you know? Well, hopefully this is basic enough that everybody understands the basic concepts of what a will and a trust are and why trusts are important. Yeah. And obviously, if they have further questions, they need to contact their attorney. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think that's it. You know, we, 
you know, we visit, uh, when we do our reviews all the time, uh, we ask, you know, do you have uh, your estate planning documents? Do you have your will? Do you have power of attorney documents? Um, and a trust might be part of that. And Correct. so, uh, you know, by all means, we can explain some of the things that Marty and I talked about today, but obviously we're not the attorneys. And that's when you go to Marty, you go to somebody, you know, your attorney that's local to you there and, uh, you know, get that advice for your situation because it, it does change. And, yeah. and that's the thing that people, um, don't do a good job of is checking in on their estate plan, right? Yeah. Because the laws change, their situation changes. I mean, how often do you think people should come in and get a review of their estate situation? Is it once a year? Is it once every couple of years? What do you recommend? Um, probably, if there are no tax law changes, once every five years is probably sufficient. But when there's tax law changes, I mean, for example, last year, Biden wanted to change a lot of the tax laws or the year before. Um, that would have been catastrophic for some people if they would not have gone in and changed their estate plan. Okay. Fortunately, nothing was done. Um, so nobody's in any real danger at this point in time. Right. But uh, the next time that there are major tax law changes that you hear about, you should probably contact your attorney or accountant and find out what exactly those changes will be and if they will affect you. Yeah, even if it's just a phone call to say, hey, I'm just checking in, I heard some things, mm -hmm. do we need to come in, right? Yep. You know, maybe you don't need a full review, but at least say, hey, it's, it's a big deal or it's not a big deal. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, uh, hopefully that uh, sheds a little light on trust. Uh, maybe a few more details on estate planning we didn't get to last time. Uh, and by all means, if you have questions, uh, give us a call here at the office, send us an email. And, uh, you know, share this with a friend or family member that, uh, that you think could uh, value from it as well. And we'll talk to you soon. To talk financial health between episodes, please email us at firstinawfinancial at lpl.com or give us a call at 402-887-4302. Please visit our website at firstinawfinancial.com, spelled F-U-R-S-T-E-N-A-U-F-I-N-A-N-C-I-A-L.com. There you can find more about our team, what we offer, news and articles, and many resources. You can also check us out on Facebook. The opinions voiced in this show podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss.